Hello, and welcome to Underqualified Thoughts. My name is Andy, and today we have a special guest. Joseph is our sixth guest on the show, but the first guest of ours who was born outside of the United States. Known by many as their TikTok dad, Joseph is more than a TikTok influencer. He runs a consulting firm that helps CEOs and company leaders develop their strengths, culture, and character. And in addition to that, he moved all the way from Malaysia to the United States to be a seminary student and intern at my local church. I'm excited to share his story with you and learn from it. Joseph, welcome to the show. Thanks, Andy. Thanks for inviting me and giving me the privilege of being labeled as the first person outside of the U.S. to be on your show. Yes. Yeah, we do that every, I don't know when we started, but every guest, we say what number guests they are, and we have to find a first. And this one, I was like, Joseph has so many firsts, I'm just going to go with the the most straightforward one. <laughs> yeah, great. And also, in terms of first, you are the first uh, US podcast person that I'm speaking to. So you do have a first, you know, in your, in your list of uh, accolades as well. There you go. I like it. You're the first one to give us a first. So that that is a high honor as well. So okay. after that intro, I have to ask, is everything that I labeled there correctly? I did my own research and I didn't fact check anything with you beforehand. Yeah, it's correct. It's correct. Yeah. Perfect. So then to dive in, uh, in your words, how do we know each other? Why are we here? Why did you take the time out of your day to sit down and have this conversation with me today? Okay. Well, I got to know Andy basically through the church that I attend and I intern in, and that is Uptown Church in Charlotte. And interesting backstory here is that I got to know about Uptown Church uh, through my pastor back home in Malaysia. In fact, the church that I attend in Malaysia uh, was planted as a result of a church planting partnership with Uptown Church in Charlotte. So, uh, we have had the previous senior pastor who visited Malaysia before. And that's how I got to know about Uptown Church. And when I wanted to attend seminary, you know, there was the Uptown Church connection there, who, which got me in touch with RTS. And as they say, the rest is history. That's all she wrote. The rest is history. That is a big full circle moment. I think I knew that or I'd heard that before, but it's good to hear that again, just to, yeah, see how all of those connections tie together, all of which happening before I even showed up in Charlotte, which is really cool. And it's quite amazing, Andy, how things actually begin with just a I wish statement. You know, I was talking to my wife when I got in touch with the people from uptown when they came to Malaysia. After a while, you know, my wife and I would speak to each other. Oh, how we wish we are able to maybe go to the States for a while or how we wish we could do some seminary studies. And wishes do come true. Yes. And that's a, a part of your story. We, Caitlin and I have had you and your wife over for, I think it was a lunch and we got to hear part of that story. And that's going to come out as even more detail as we talk about your story today. So, and something I think I often don't realize, and I'm sure you didn't realize is when you made that, I wish statement, not only was it going to come true, but it was going to come true in a way that you would have never expected and probably wouldn't have even written it that way. Exactly, so, exactly. I see that as a seamless transition. Thank you for making my job easy to <laughs> put it right into your first talking point. Your topic was the first one that you gave us is that you lost your job 20 years ago and you gave a brief synopsis in the email about how that turned around for the better. But I'll leave the floor to you to tell that story. Yeah, sure. 
Thanks, Andy. Well, and Andy, I've always grown up uh, having a very stable and consistent perspective as far as my career is concerned. I've been raised up having this goal of wanting a stable and so-called prestigious job because in the Asian context, we look for stability when it comes to career. So when I graduated from the National University of Singapore, I thought I had it made. I was a thriving engineer working with well-established companies like Motorola, Hewlett-Packard, and IBM. I thought I had it made. But about 20 years ago, in fact, it was the year 2002 to be exact, it kind of all came crashing down on one in one day. <laughs> and talk about underqualified thoughts uh, there was an under you know an under under experience uh, which i had for that day and and that was really a low moment for me i was asked to leave my job because the department wasn't doing well so and what really made that experience more excruciating was i you know not only did i had high hopes in my career but my wife was expecting our second daughter during that time. So Oof. all of the vision of family vacations and family travel and doing all sorts of fun and expensive things all vanish in, in just one day. <laughs> oh yeah, that is difficult too. And I remember you told this story in one of the sermons that you gave you also, I think, didn't they let you go? the day before you were supposed to go on a company retreat too so oh yeah thanks for remembering that yeah that kind of kind 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 of drove the knife into the heart just <laughs> a little bit more because uh on that day when i left the office it was also the very day that the other department next to me they were also heading out of the office but uh but towards a fun-filled team-building weekend. So <laughs> so I remember when we crossed paths, I didn't have enough courage to even look at them, you know, in, in the eye. So was, I felt pretty low. Yeah, pretty discouraged on that day. There were no formal, you know, golden handshake or farewell dinners. I, I just had to leave my job on that day itself. Yeah, that is difficult for sure. The The part of that story that I can relate to is when Lily was born. She's the only one that we have right now. And right before she was born, I had left my job. So talk about instability. I had I was in a stable, well-paying job that just wasn't fulfilling. And I had made the decision from, you know, basically my wife had been encouraging me to do it for years. And I finally came to my senses and realized that she was right. And so began looking for work and it just, came about in our circumstances that it was going to be from our perspective, best for me to leave my job to start looking for another job. Yeah. And I had this general sense of wanting to find a job, wanting to find something that satisfied me. But when we were sitting there in the hospital, you know, a day or two after Lily was born, I just had this fire in my stomach, this, like, I need to do something to, you know, I felt that for the first time, really tangibly that like, that fatherly need to provide, need to step up pressure. And I can't even imagine, I, I mean, that's a small sliver. So I, and I relate to it in that way, but I can't even imagine what it felt like to be blindsided by it, to already have a kid and have another one on the way. That's yeah. I'm sorry that that happened. Yeah. But what I've learned Andy is that when 
when circumstances change, particularly when the circumstances are unfavorable, it helps me to re-examine my my convictions. Yeah, it helps me to it kind of lay my life bare, right? Because mm-hmm. because all all this while I have been living life just cruising along, right? So I get my paycheck every month, life is good, I get to put bread on the table. But somehow when those layers are taken away, your heart's conviction is shown for what it is. So you begin to ask the you know, some 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 of the hard questions like, okay, why did this happen? Did I do anything wrong? What could this mean for me in the future? Uh, what's my next steps? So some of these soul-searching questions sometimes are not asked when life is just cruising along, but when circumstances change, it just, you know, it just exposes all all of this. And it can, yeah, it can be a heart-wrenching moment, but but how you process the follow-on thoughts would really de- decide the next steps. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Yeah, life circumstances are difficult and hard, and how you respond to them makes a big difference. And yeah, I really like the way that you phrased that because something that we like to do here in the show, something that we've talked about is that, you know, a lot of life, we're just on autopilot, not questioning what we're doing. We've built habits from... You know, you talked about the just you were raised in a culture where you needed to have a sustainable job, one that was not really in question that the company was going to go down. You were going to have a consistent way to provide. And so you didn't question that. You went forward with that and you pursued that type of role. And when that was taken away, you know, you take a step back and process what's going on, just like Caleb and I, not in the same rug pulled out from under us way, but when we started our own job search around this time last year and we were becoming dads, there was a lot of time for us to think about what matters to us. What do we care about? Our priorities are shifting. Our responsibilities are shifting. And so it took us to a place where we had to have deeper, more meaningful, thoughtful conversations and just, you know, internal conversations as well. And that's what we hope to model on the podcast, you know, we hope that having these conversations talking about what it means to feel underqualified and to doubt our abilities and that that's part of being human. And then, like you said, how we respond to it, how we react to it is what is going to shape a lot of how we view life and how we live life. And we hope to have those conversations in a way where we can share those with others and then they can go ahead and make their lives better, their communities better by impacting it to, you know, look farther below the surface and question why we do the things that we do. Yeah, yeah. And when you when you talk about the thoughts that happen, especially during trying circumstances, one of the thoughts that I had to deal with during that season in my life, Andy, it was doubt. Oh, yeah. You know, it's like what, what the book of Proverbs says, a broken spirit, who can bear, right? You can kind of bear and put up with a lot of situations, but when your spirit is broken and when you have self-doubt, it kind of gets to you. But but if we persevere, even that season of doubt can lead to what I would call a paradigm shift. Doubts, if processed properly and you persevere and you don't give up, 
it can lead to a paradigm shift. And and the paradigm shift for me, uh, Andy, was, uh, hey, why not I come out of the corporate scene altogether, right? <laughs> wow, that that was a that was a huge paradigm shift because uh, for me, I grew up in a culture where. You know, I get encouragement from both family and relatives to have an iron rice bowl, we call it. You know, when you have an iron rice bowl, means you work with a well-established company. Hopefully, it's a bank. <laughs> and, and, you know, that, that you have it, you've got, you've got it made until you're 65 or 70, right? Mm-hmm. You know, but, but my iron bowl was shattered. Uh, and the paradigm shift, what shift that came to me hey it, the bone did not be iron you know it could be made out of other materials as well <laughs> so so that that was when uh, after a few clarifying conversations with my wife we've decided hey why why not we begin something from ground up something from scratch something that is really in line with my giftings and and with my talent and with my motivation. And that's that's how we got into starting my leadership development and coaching practice called Good Monday Consulting. That's a, a great paradigm shift. And I love that you called out banks because my whole full-time career has been at banks and my brother-in-law, Caleb, now works for a bank as well. But I absolutely get what you mean. And the question I have as we dive into talking about that part of your journey was there was that interest in building something from the ground up something you had and just didn't think like just thought it was a, a pipe dream that you wouldn't pursue because it wasn't you know an iron rice bowl to say or was that something that just came up once you had the opportunity or had that wake up moment where you had to rethink what you wanted to do I, I think Andy what really was good for me in those you know underqualified thinking moments was to have an extra pair of eyes to work together with me and an extra pair of ears. And that's, that is really my wife. Um, mm-hmm. You know, in, at that point in time, we have been married for about six years. And, and I really value her, you know, not only just her companionship, but the way that she has been observing me. You know, because in, in your moments of doubt and in, in your moments of, uh, you know, despondency, you, you, you really need someone who, who can come to you and tell you what they have been observing about your life to help you connect the dots, right? Because when you are mm-hmm. in a moment of grief, everything is a blur. You, you, you just can't see your life clearly for for the tears that you have in front of you. Everything seems like a blur, but but when she came in, she could connect the dots and say that, hey, Joseph, I see that you've been doing well in this. You know, you you had your moment of uh, brilliance in this setting. You've been getting good feedback in this area. Why not you consider this, right? Maybe this situation could point you towards taking a shift into this area. So she came in and planted, in opposition to my seeds of doubt, she planted seeds of hope, right? Mm-hmm. And slowly but surely, you know, things begin to take shape. And, and I, must, I must not say it did not, it, it did not happen overnight, but over a series right. of crucial but persistent conversations, things became clearer. 
Right. It's really powerful to have someone who believes in you. Exactly. And, you know, has your best interest in mind, as well as you guys are shoulder to shoulder doing so much of life together. She can see when you get excited at work. She can see when you excel at home. She can see when you excel with your friends. Like she can see so many different aspects. Yeah. And that on top of that, you know, makes her feedback even more powerful. And yeah, I I can relate to that with Caitlin wasn't so much pushing me towards strengths as much as seeing that my job that I had that was the stable job wasn't exciting me. She said, you, you know, aren't excited to go to work. You come home from work drained and it takes a while for you to get your energy back and all those things. And so she definitely was able to see you know, when I was willing to just have the iron rice bowl job and become content and be happy with it, she's like, you're not happy with it. And that's okay for you to not be happy with it. You can look for something else. So. Hey, I can definitely feel along with you when you mentioned about your drained dinner conversation. See, I would come back (laughs) almost every evening complaining to my wife about what's happening and it was draining me out. Oh yeah. 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 So I'm glad we can relate there and know that I'm not the only one. But thankfully, you know, we're both not there at the moment. And so to talk about that, you mentioned starting Good Monday Consulting wasn't easy. There was a lot of hardships along the way. Talk to me about both why you went that direction, like what excited you about it. And then the next point that you said you wanted to talk about in a moment where you felt underqualified was when you lost some of your confidence when you received some negative feedback. And so if you can tell all of us about that whole process of why you started it, how it went, and then that first big, maybe not the first, but you know, a big hiccup that you want to highlight. Yeah, sure. Well, just a bit of a backstory. I call it Good Monday Consulting. It actually was birthed from a blog which I started so in my period of doubt, I started lamenting, you know. So, so when I lament, I was thinking, Andy, my, I might as well share my lament with the whole world, right? So, <laughs> so, so I start, I started a blog, and I was, I was actually using the blog as a tool to encourage myself, right? I didn't look forward to Monday. So a thought came to me and say, hey, why not I make Monday my favorite day of the week and call it Good Monday, right? And in a way I could uh, write in the blog every week, you know, aiming for every Monday. I'll just put some thoughts to help me think in the right direction. The blog didn't get, you know, didn't go viral, but, but it did give me some interesting anchor points. And one of them being, hey, why not when I start my leadership development or coaching practice, I call it Good Monday Consulting, just to remind me that Monday can be the favorite part of the week if I'm able to, you know, find my source of motivation, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And and when during the, I would say the the first five years when I was operating the company it it was a period of searching as well you know it did not become like and they live happily ever after that scenario (laughs) the first five years was also a period of perseverance because i needed to make ends meet 
So basically, my my approach to the business was this: uh, whatever the client wants, I would deliver. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> so if the client wanted a training on customer service, okay, I will do it. If you want a team building, I will do it. If you want sales training, uh, I will do it. So af- after a while, it was deja vu, Andy. I was having those drained dinner conversations. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> And and again, I, I'm so thankful that my wife was that extra pair of eyes and ears, and 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 she really encouraged me to to focus and to narrow down. Just reminding me that I can't be everything to to everyone. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. Mm-hmm. And and I find that during mo- during such moments i've got to be comfortable in both saying yes and no because i i was saying yes all of the time right all all of the time yeah right i love that story of the name of good monday cuz a a phrase that i've heard is how you feel about your job is directly related to how you feel on sunday night and so if you have the Sunday scaries, that means you're not excited to go back to your job. But yeah. if, a, if you're not dreading Sunday night coming and you know, therefore Monday coming right after it, you're in a good spot when it comes to your work. So yeah, I like that. And I'm realizing as we talk, that we have far more similarities than I could have ever imagined. I Writing is my outlet. That's how I process things. Oh, I'm an external processor, so talking helps, but you know, to save anyone's time i write it down so that i can then have some clear thoughts to share with them and yeah i've been posting most of mine on linkedin from difficulties at work to difficulties with learning how to become a dad and start a podcast and all these things and i found it very encouraging like you said just to be able to write it out there it's not going it's not blowing up and going incredibly viral but it's helping me process and Along the way, some people are reading it and resonating with with it, and it's helping them too. And that is just a unique, fun thing that I didn't realize that you and I both had that we're processing through writing. And so then the question, I think, I asked you too many questions at once. So you, you told a really good story, but then uh, I wanted to hear about the negative customer feedback. So when was that in the that big moment where you lost your confidence, was that in the five years or was that after? That was within the five years, and Andy. I would say that one of my underqualifying moments came because I had set high expectations on myself. Hmm. At that point in time, as I was filtering through my business activities, uh, what I should say yes to and what I should say no to. I wanted very much to say yes to the area of executive coaching, right? Because before that, I was just doing a lot of what I would call a lot of rah-rah trainings, right? More or less group activities, which I felt it was good to kind of put food on the table to you know, to bring in the bacon, so to speak. But I didn't find much satisfaction from it. I find that I wasn't impacting lives at a deeper level. So I thought that executive coaching was the way to go. So I so mm-hmm. I set 
I set very high expectations for myself, not knowing that that the gap between expectation and reality was uh, was 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 quite wide and and I just jumped straight into executive coaching. There was a project that came along my way. I thought I had it all figured out, you know. <laughs> and and that's and that's the thing, you know, Andy, for people like you and me, when we process a lot of things in our mind, sometimes we over process and, and it becomes so clear in our mind that what's in my mind, I thought it's reality. Then I told myself, I can do it, right? It's it's so clear. <laughs> I've written it right. and everything else. But when I jump into it, you know, with both hands and feet, I, <laughs> I realized that it was not as easy as I thought. The, the, the dynamics of dealing with a group of people is quite different in a one-to-one -one setting where people tell you their issues and they expect you to validate them and to help process their thoughts and to give them a lifeline. So it's it's entirely different. And and what made that that feeling even more excruciating, Andy, was I was working with a few other coaches, right? And it was a big project. And <laughs> And part of the mechanics of that project was that each of us who participated in this coaching assignment received a written feedback from the client about how we did. Mm -hmm. And and somehow I got to know how the other coaches scored against what I score, and mine was the lowest. Oh, <laughs> not good. Not good. It was not good at all. I, I tell you, you could ask my wife about it. That was another... A low moment for me, an underqualified moment for me. I thought I was qualified, but I had to face the reality of the industry. And and to be honest, Andy, during that time, not only did I had self-doubt, I was so discouraged. I thought about giving up altogether and say that, hey, uh, coaching is not my cup of tea. It's not for me, right? So, yeah. so that's that's how I think failure sometimes can be misinterpreted as something final. Yeah, that's true. I really enjoyed hearing that story, especially because you talk about just, you, you kind of point out the two sides of the under underqualified coin. The way we see it and talk about it often is, you know, you know, don't let your fear of the unknown or fear of not being qualified stop you from doing something. And that's true. The, you know, you could have done that before before even starting the company. Mm -hmm. But then once you started the company, you saw the other side of it, which is something I experienced a lot, especially when I was a financial advisor. There's something so clear in my head. Like you said, it's almost reality. Then you say it out loud and someone doesn't understand it. And you're like, what do you mean you don't understand it? And realizing the difficult dynamic of having to try and take what's in your mind and communicate that clearly to someone else. And... Yeah, that's really difficult and hard. And so then you have those moments where you, you know, in most of the ways when we talk about being underqualified, we're trying to encourage people to take a step forward and go do the thing anyway, go figure it out, go make mistakes, go fail, don't let it be final and learn from it and grow. But there's another side of it is when you think you're, when you're overconfident and you think you have it all figured out, you're going to get blindsided at some point because there is no way you have everything figured out. 
So that's really, I'm glad you said that. I would have not known to phrase it that way, but failure isn't final. You know, it's a part of the process where if you're open and receptive to that feedback, I'm confident now that you're not getting low grades on coaching because you've gotten, I mean, as from what I've seen from you, your, your ability to communicate, you are top notch. Well, thanks, Andy. I, I think what, what really helped me to persevere through that uh, period was to be uh, two, two things. Num- number one, obviously, is to be open to feedback. Um, I heard someone once mention feedback is the breakfast for champions. Yeah, I took a lot of breakfast during that time. Uh, I didn't feel like a champion, though. Um, but but feedback is very important, um, particularly for people like you and I, who sometimes see things a little bit too clearly, and we kind of feed forward rather than asking for feedback. Mm-hmm. But just taking a step back and processing through sometimes even the negative comments is helpful, but it's painful. Mm-hmm. So first first is the issue of feedback. And number two, I think following from that feedback, I do need to realize that I, I have blind spots. And one of the blind spots that I had, Andy, is because I tend to overcomplicate my coaching approach. Here's, here's, here's where I have learned, Andy, that, that our strengths uh, can at times be our area of blind spot as well. Yeah, because when I deliver training sessions, I, I, I love communicating concepts. I love communicating aha moments. But that's in a group setting. In a personal setting, People are not looking for you to impress them. People are looking for you to connect with them. Mm-hmm. So, so, so sometimes I think my blind spot was I approach coaching as if it's a teaching session. I'm here to dazzle you. I'm, I am here to give you everything in a nutshell. Okay. I, <laughs> I'm going to force fit this down your throat because it works <laughs> for me. Right. Mm-hmm. Where else people just needed to be validated. People needed to be listened to. People were not necessarily looking for solutions. They look for understanding, right? So, wow, that's that's new. So I was blindsided by my excitement in other areas, but it but it didn't translate into the coaching situation. So I had to new. I had to gain a new perspective. Yeah, that's really helpful. And it sounds like you've gotten a lot of wisdom out of that because yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. I learned something new. I want to share something and learning both in marriage and in my job that other people have things that they need to process and have exciting things that they want to share as well. And I love what you said about the strength because something that I was taught, I can't remember where it was at this point, but I firmly believe it is that our weaknesses come from overplaying our strengths. And so I loved, I saw on your website that you're strength finders certified. I love the strength finders. I found them really helpful because it also helps me communicate that like things like two of my strengths are ideation and strategic. So I both like coming up with ideas and I like implementing those ideas. And part of that is 
why I think I like new things. I like starting something new, trying something new. I do. I have a hard time finishing things and finishing well. And I think that's a weakness that comes out of it. Once I've started it and got it going, I've, I kind of lose interest and I want to come up with a new idea and try that. But obviously, you know, that would lead that my idea potentially to fail because I don't see it through all the way to the end. Or, you know, another one I have is winning others over. I have woo. Um, and that sometimes I see it where I don't go deep and intentional in conversations with people. I kind of keep it surface level, kind of that, like, like you said, like wowing people rather than really leaning in and getting to know them. Yeah. Yeah. But, but what I've learned, Andy, is that once, once we have identified a blind spot, we must be careful not to go to the other extreme and mm. eliminate our strengths. Uh, what our blind spot reveals is that our strengths need to move from raw to mature, right? We, uh, it, it doesn't mean that your strategic is all bad or your ideation is all bad. You just need to bring your strategic to a more mature level. So, so I mean, strategic is one of my strengths as well, Andy. So it, it doesn't mean my strategic is all rotten. Although things are very clear in my mind right now, as far as I'm concerned, although it's clear in my mind, I do not assume. I ask questions to validate. I don't go with my assumptions. I need to, to double check my assumption. I need to ask more questions. So, so in a way, it has helped me to, to mellow down a little bit and hopefully be more mature in the process. This is exactly, this is so helpful. I'm so glad that you have a consulting company. I've learned all these things because I specifically send the intro. You know, I'm excited to help sh help you share your story and learn along with it. And this is exactly where I'm learning along with it because something that we've talked about on the podcast a lot in the past year are, are how many times I have had unchecked assumptions and how painful it is when they're checked. So this year I found out I filed my taxes incorrectly for the last two years because I made an assumption and I didn't ask any questions. And that was a painful process to undo that. And there are many other stories throughout this year where I've just been assuming things and then just being like, huh, it turns out I've been wrong for a long time. And now it's really painful to untie all of these things I've gotten myself into. So that's really helpful advice. And I will be taking that to heart because I absolutely need it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so I think my concluding uh, thought to that story is I'm glad I persevered through and did not take that moment of failure as the final verdict. Mm -hmm. And it turned out that uh, the majority of my client engagement right now has to do with coaching. So it's in the very area of my failure that eventually became an area of my focus. And I think how it got from failure to focus uh, is really a testament of God's grace and his providence mm -hmm. along the way. Yeah, it's awesome to see you go from, yeah, an area where you were struggling and could have easily walked away. And now that's your your bread and butter, the, the bacon you're bringing home, so to speak. That's a really cool redemptive arc there. Before we move away from the topic of Good Monday Consulting, I had Two questions, more surface level, kind of just things that piqued my interest. I saw on your website that you have Lego Serious Play certification. What on earth does that mean? 
Is that like actual Legos? <laughs> yeah, it's actual Legos. Well, here's here's the backstory, Andy. Um, because a- another area of my coaching that I do is with business owners and senior executives who who wants to craft out a vision or a mission for their organization and they want to put in writing how their organization culture should look like right mm-hmm. so so we are dealing with invisible issues that has a very visible impact invisible issues like company culture uh, invisible issues like a sense of mission and purpose uh, invisible issues like team engagement these these are all issues you can't really touch and feel but you know it has a very um, obvious impact on, on on where the company is going where, whether if it is sustainable or people feel excited about turning up for work mm-hmm. so the way that i would help executives process this was it was very flat you know i would use things like post it notes i would use printed templates i would use a uh, flip chart paper but it didn't fully engage their senses right so so i was i was thinking about okay how can i bring this experience into a 3d format how can i get them to wear 3d and have an imax experience mm-hmm. of this movie called your culture or your vision and mission and through through my research i i got to know that one one of the ways to to help make the invisible visible is to involve your senses in the coaching experience uh coaching and training experience and and that's that's how lego they call it lego serious play right <laughs> <laughs> and and lego has has a, a separate department looking into this serious play um area where wow. they have specially designed blocks this this is a science you know and and the... <laughs> yeah that's amazing this is a science they they have a series of lego building blocks specially built to get your senses involved in the crafting and building process right so so let's say if we are talking about company culture how 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 do we want the company culture to look like so so there is a systematic process where we ask a series of questions right and and then what happens is that the lego building blocks allow each participants to give shape to their ideas to give shape to their thoughts and it's quite amazing because what they build with their hands and when they try to articulate what they have built in a 3D format sometimes their articulations surprise themselves when they are able to connect not the dots they are able to connect the blocks yeah you 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 you've got to see it in in action and and I'm I'm getting all excited about it right now and <laughs> and what is really exciting and and the the icing on top of the cake is when I get each participant's Lego model and we put it all together into one massive construction 
and everyone could see how one part of their perspective works with another perspective, you know what happens at that stage? We have ownership. Because, because people start to own their idea because now they see how all the different pieces fit together and it's and it's a it's an amazing process yeah you have to experience it to 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 feel it <laughs> that's awesome yeah it definitely sounds like something that would take it to a whole nother level to experience it but that's just such a cool creative idea and the fact that it's researched out and it's not just you know some haphazard thing like you said it's a science like someone or some team at Lego has developed this and to be able to use that, that's just really cool. Cause that's just taking something that is fun and memorable from our childhood and just making it an even more real world impact that helps unlock our, our ideas and help us understand them fully so that we have ownership of them. That's awesome. I'm glad I saw that. And then the last one, the last kind of tidbit before we go into the third point, I, I said in the intro, the people are here for it. I can't not bring up the fact that you are people's TikTok dad. How did posting on TikTok become something that you wanted to do? Because you do it under the name of Good Monday Consulting, am I right? Yeah, that's right. Okay. Was that just something that you were looking to do for exposure for the company? Or was that something that, you know, some advice you got? Or how did you get into that? You know, as as in any business marketing and publicity, mm. it's, it's an important part to get the word out there. So ever since I started Good Monday Consulting, I've been uh, spreading the word basically through my blog and through YouTube and Facebook. I think particularly through YouTube, where I've had some, some sense of success in using YouTube to promote what, what I do. But about uh, three years ago, my my younger daughter gave me a feedback. Again, feedback is the breakfast <laughs> for champions, right? <laughs> so she gave me this feedback. She said that, well, dad, your YouTube channel is all in good, but you're too long-winded, you know, because on the average, each of my YouTube channel, it's like maybe eight, nine, 10 minutes long. Mm -hmm. So she says, dad, I think what you have to teach is good. You want to download a lot of things. You want to create aha moments. Right. But, you know, we of the younger generation and people who look at social media right now, you can't get them to eyeball you for eight, nine minutes. You only have 60 seconds, Dad. And let me introduce to you this platform. <laughs> and, and at that point in time, Andy, I, I really viewed TikTok as a, you know, as a teenager type of a platform where you, you know, where you perform certain dance. and Right. Oh, yeah. But I could not ignore a challenge from my daughter. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. You couldn't turn that down. You couldn't walk away from that. Couldn't turn that down. So she said, all right, okay, I will do my best. I'll do my best to put six minutes into 60 seconds, right? So, and I set a very modest goal when I did that. I just wanted to impress her, right? So I said, okay, mm -hmm. Eunice, I will do it. And 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 my goal is to have 1,000 followers, all right? I will aim for 1,000 followers. I thought that was a huge number. Okay, that's what I want. I'll, I'll, I'll try. I'll try, right? If I have 1,000 followers and each of my videos, I have at least 100 views, I will be satisfied. Yeah. So, yeah. 
So, <laughs> so when so my my mindset as as I did it, my mindset was as if I'm talking to my daughter. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she challenged me, so I said, okay, I I will do it as if I'm talking to you, and you see whether that works. Yeah, and I guess that's where you got the moniker TikTok Dad from, and I'll just. I'll brag on you. I did my research before we started. Not only did you get a thousand followers, you're over seventy three thousand followers. And I looked. There's a there's a handful of videos that have half a million views. So that is way above anything that you ever expected. That's really impressive. Yeah, yeah. I I I must say I was both shocked and and surprised. I I think that TikTok that label came from a number of comments that came from the viewers and what really opened my eyes Andy is that is that young people turn to social media for life advice and particularly mm -hmm. in TikTok they are not only looking for fun videos but they are also looking for answers answers on questions regards to IT self-identity, self-doubt, uh, making friends, uh, how do you mm -hmm. deal with negative emotions, anger, relationship problems. I'm quite surprised that things that I would normally talk about conversationally with my daughters, when I summarize it under 60 seconds and put it out there, there are other so-called sons and daughters out there who also want to hear the the same thing so i i'm surprised and yet at the same time not surprised right yeah it's we've talked about it a lot we have a whole episode where we just kind of talked about social media and our thoughts on that you know positive and negative and it is sad to a degree that a lot of the younger generation and you know some of my areas of life too. Like my default is to go to my phone and to look for, you know, in some cases, almost everything there. Mm -hmm. But then it's really cool that you have a space where you can go in and provide that insight and that wisdom and guidance that they might not be getting, or they might not be willing to look for outside of this, their phones. And so it's awesome that you have a platform where you can step in and do that. And of course it encourages us as we have, a really, really small platform that there is a place for us to be on here having intentional, deeper conversations where we're not just trying to keep everyone entertained and laughing and holding their attention span through, you know, the gimmicks of psychology and, you know, retaining attention. Yeah. Yeah. So Andy, I would encourage you to persevere on and continue to do what you do in the podcast because I find that sometimes it doesn't take um, you know, uh, a lot of revolutionary thought to change people around. Sometimes all they need is just a nudge. All they need is just one or two words of clarity and it can help them to have that paradigm shift and it can help them to say, hey, I've not seen the situation from this angle before. So, so it, it doesn't take a lot. Sometimes it's just one or two helpful words and it can mm -hmm. be so encouraging to people. So yeah, con continue to do what you're doing. 
I appreciate that encouragement. And I also appreciate the encouragement to do it with a less is more approach because I'm also long-winded, as I mentioned earlier, an external processor. So in the theme of less is more, we'll move on to the next one. So the last point that you brought up a moment where you just felt really underqualified and I can resonate to this anytime leaving the country and going to a different culture for a short period of time, like I've been, you know, the most I've been overseas was like five weeks is daunting, but you've done it for, it's going to be three years in total. Four, four. Four. Yeah. So you left your comfort zone, your, you know, your home country of Malaysia to come here to study in the United States. What led you to do that? That's a whole, there's so much to unpack there. That could have been the entire episode. So just talk to me about your highlights, lowlights, just anything that you want to share about that experience. Yeah. Well, basically in, in this big move from, from Malaysia coming over to the US, I, I think it was in recognition of the season of life that my wife and I, we, we, we were in. Life, life in Malaysia was was good. It was stable, uh, but at the same time, we find that uh, we were getting very busy. We were getting very busy, uh, both in business and in ministry. So so much so that we begin to. I I, I don't know how you describe it. We we begin to feel jaded. Mm-hmm. We like you're going through the motions. Yeah, we are going through the motions. We have had some disappointing experiences in ministry. There were people who who let us down, and and we felt empty. We felt that we were running on empty, mm-hmm. and we need and we needed to take time off to to replenish ourselves. So we we were thinking we were praying and and one of the desires that God gave us, hey, uh, why why not we take a sabbatical? Why not we take a sabbatical? Uh, although we've been involved in ministry, but we've been running on our own steam. We've been doing things the way we thought how it should be. Why not we receive some external teachings? Uh, why not we we begin to feed our soul, so to speak. And at that point in time, in our journey, we were new to the Reformed faith. And, you know, we really didn't have a deep understanding of church history, Reformed theology, and and the whole works. Mm-hmm. So we thought it it's a good time to be ground, grounded. And here and here here we are, right? Right. What was the biggest or what was the biggest hurdle that you had to clear? Because I'm sure at first, I think you mentioned in the beginning, this was the I wish statement. And, you know, as it's becoming true, you're like, was there a moment where you're like, I don't know if I wish this anymore. What's going on? Like, you know, did it ever get too big or start to question the big move? Yeah, yeah. I I think that we, we, will, we will never be able to to live life with full clarity you know, uh, we can only move with whatever light that we have been given. But as we take the step forward, there will always be challenges and pushback. And and one of my 
pushback or the challenges I had once I started my seminary studies here was I, I found that I struggled. I struggled in terms of uh, being a student all over again. Mm. I struggled in terms of getting into the routine of uh, writing papers and doing exams. The demand for the course was uh, was much higher than than I thought. Yeah. So so that 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 to me was was a challenge. But after about two semesters, I got the hang of it, and and during this period. I felt that God was helping to, to reshape my thinking skills and, and gave me a way to think through issues which would not have been possible if I were to still remain in Malaysia. Sometimes I find that a physical change, a locational change in your life is necessary for a mental realignment physical change needs to happen before the mental realignment. My wife and I tried to do a fair bit of mental realignment when we were in Malaysia, right? We would take a Saturday off and try to talk and think things through. But before you know it, Monday comes along and you're back into the rut again because you are in the environment where people need you. You are in the environment where there are meetings to attend to, right? And it's difficult to to say no. But right. few thousand miles away right <laughs> hey suddenly my saturday hours are longer hey suddenly i don't have the demands to attend this meeting or that meeting right so so in 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 the absence of the normal rut and routines i could think clearer so so although it was a challenge to get into the mode of being a student again but but to have my wife, she, I, I mean, she could audit the class together with me. That's the wonderful thing about RTS. She was in mm. class and we could talk about issues and and then go to a coffee shop and further talk about it. And I, I find that that was pretty amazing. And, 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 and we've had time to process through quite a number of things. So, so right now, Andy, the challenge for us, because we are going back to Malaysia next summer, is setting boundaries mm. and clarifying expectations so that we do not get back to square one again, right? Right. Fall back into those routines. Yeah. I don't want to keep coming back to RTS every now and then. <laughs> <laughs> That's a long plane fight just to reset. Yeah. Yeah. But but I praise praise God this past four years, although it was it was tough, but it was clarifying. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's really wise and helpful talking about what we mentioned earlier in the conversation of how easy it is to go on autopilot, you know, whether it's spatial or I'm sure there are other ways, but I very much agree with you that changing spatially helps a lot. Yeah. It's just so simple. Like you, you, you have your plans, you have your thoughts. You're like, this is what we're going to do. And then without even thinking, it's almost like you're not in control, but obviously at that point, it's your subconscious taking over. You just do the things you're used to. You do, you run the errands on Saturday. You say yes to the meeting. It is really difficult. And I'm glad that you put a, a pin on that, that it's really difficult to stop process and think about where you are and think about if that's where you want to be or that's where you should be.
Mm -hmm. That's really helpful. Mm -hmm. So yeah, thank you so much for that. Yeah, and I think on top of that, uh, we are also very thankful that both of our daughters here in the US, that that kind of made the experience also pretty sweet. We were able to journey oh, yeah. with them through their life transitions here in the US as well. Right, yeah, because you said they went to school here and then started careers here? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's right. In fact, uh, this Christmas, we'll be spending time with our old, older daughter in San Jose in, in California. So she just started work there. So we're looking forward to spending Christmas with her. That's awesome. Yeah, that's really cool to have that experience and to have it, you know, with your family that you're not hours and thousands of miles away from them, but you have them on the same continent with you. Yeah. Yeah, I'm thankful for that. Yeah, that's really great. And speaking of thankful, I'm thankful for your time to to talk through your story. I feel like I didn't necessarily do a good job of asking good interview questions. I just said, you have a great story, start talking. And you did an amazing job of telling great stories about your life and then talking about the perspective and the wisdom that it's given you. So I really appreciate your time today. Thank you for the conversation, Andy. Um, I always find it a pleasure talking to you. You know, I find that talking to you just helped to enrich my perspective. Thank you. I appreciate those encouraging words. And for everyone viewing at home, thank you so much for tuning into this episode. And we'll see you guys next time. All right. Thank you.